Welcome into the Talking Tide podcast on the Belly Up Podcast Network. I'm Chase Goodbread, sports columnist with the Tuscaloosa News. I'm joined by Travis Ryer, the longtime senior analyst at BamaOnline.com. You can get the Talking Tide podcast at Apple Podcasts and, of course, wherever you prefer to get your podcasts. We're live on YouTube. We're live on Facebook. Give us a like, a subscribe, a follow at those locales if you would. The Twitter feed is talking underscore tide. You can always get links to the podcast as soon as it drops right there on Twitter. I want to thank Peter Brook, chocolatier of Tuscaloosa, Caldera Men's Skin Care, and also Heat Pizza Bar in downtown Tuscaloosa. Three fine sponsors. We'll tell you a little bit more about them later in the program. Travis, we open uh, this first Sunday nighter of the 2023 season uh, coming off a resounding win over Middle Tennessee State for the Crimson Tide. Big night for Jalen Milrow in his season debut. We'll talk offense, we'll talk defense, and of course after the break uh, we'll, we'll break down a game or two from the Southeastern Conference, maybe hit that two deep tumbler one more time as well. But Travis, uh, uh, conversations got to begin with the quarterback. That was the talk all offseason, all preseason. And now that the season is upon us, Jalen Milrow, uh, really on, out of the gate like a house on fire against Middle Tennessee State. Obviously, uh, not the kind of competition that too much can be judged from. Nevertheless, you, you got to tip your cap to Milrow on, on multiple fronts for the way he played against the Blue Raiders. I agree. Uh, very encouraging to see Jalen play at that level. And no, I mean, Middle Tennessee isn't Tennessee, but Middle Tennessee isn't East Tennessee State either. So uh, an FBS program that won eight games last season, uh, and you take it absolutely for a starting point uh, for Jalen and this quarterback position in general. Uh, it was an intriguing evening. I thought it was interesting that not so much that Jalen got the start, but he was the guy throughout the first half. You know, if this was a, a, a two-quarterback deal like A.J. McCarron and Phillip Sims back in 2011, it didn't play out that way in the first half. It really wasn't scripted or planned into the uh, the game plan to, to go that route. So uh, he was the guy, and uh, I thought as it went along, especially as a passer, he sort of freed himself up a little bit, took a couple of those big throws there in the second and into the third quarter, seemed to help his confidence and ease some nerves perhaps. So it's a big moment for Jalen Hurts. This is pretty much it for Jalen. If he's going to be the guy at Alabama, you got to think uh, this is where it's got to happen. And again, for a start, uh, very, very encouraging. A couple thoughts on his performance from my end, Travis. One, I thought his best throw of the night didn't even hit the stat sheet, and that was the DPI uh, on Isaiah Bond on that corner route. Uh, that absolutely would have gone for a touchdown. Uh, the, the Middle Tennessee defensive back wisely tripped up Bond before that could go for a score. But that was a fairly flat trajectory. I think maybe a, a, um, a more impressive throw by a little bit uh, to some of the ones that were more successful, maybe struck for a touchdown or two. Uh, you could make an argument for multiple throws being his best of the night, but I, I thought that was uh, uh, his finest was also impressed, Travis, with the composure he showed, especially early in the game when the score was was not a runaway. Uh, he, he gets the the snap that rolls right by him from McLaughlin, turns around, picks it up, 
uh, breaks off a, a really nice 21-yard touchdown run uh, that was that was uh, impressive all around. But you know what? That wasn't the only low snap he got. He got about three yeah. of them at least. Uh, one of them, he was able to execute a, a clean handoff with Jace McClellan on a third and short that McClellan converted for a first down. That that, that you know. Milrow was part of that conversion right there, just with the the coolness. And I, I, if I remember right, he took a uh, yet another low snap and was able to pick it up and, and hit Jermaine Burton uh, along the sideline for a completion. Talked to Seth McLaughlin after the game, asked him about it, said he was uh, getting some slippage on a glove that he was wearing on his snapping hand and dumped it, got rid of the glove. Um, not sure if he dumped that glove immediately uh after the the first low snap or if it was later on but nevertheless uh he feels like that's a problem that'll be cleaned up going forward yeah i guess those gloves can go both ways usually they're tackified right enough that they help you grip the football but uh with sweat and humidity and everything else this time of year uh i guess that could be problematic and yeah you know jalen did what he needed to do and you think about it the concerns you had really for this offense specifically going into this opener involved more so the quarterback position and also the wide receivers and the wide receivers did a great job of hanging on to the football. You go 10 of 13 on third downs. You don't do that without uh, really good quarterback play and wide receiver and receiver play in general. And uh, I thought again, like you, I thought there were multiple throws from which you could choose for Jalen that you could point to and say, yeah, that one was it was pretty, pretty amazing. And I thought the touchdown pass to Amari Nyblack was as well because he was kind of in the face of five, six-man pressure, stood in there, kind of anticipated it, uh, let it go before Nyblack really hit the post. And um, perfect throw. Uh, had the nice ball to Jermaine Burton for a touchdown, uh, to Isaiah Bond. Uh, you know, this is what this offense is supposed to look like in a perfect world. Running back, running back, quarterback keeps it and then hit the deep ball when the opportunity presents itself. You know, I, I thought uh, along with the touchdown pass you just noted, I thought there were several times that I saw Milrow step up and, and, and show some patience waiting for somebody to break open that he might not have shown against A&M or Arkansas last year, Travis. I think there were a couple of completions, nice deep completions that he made uh, where a year ago he might have been out the gate trying to run it. Yeah, second quarter, he had a third and six, I think, and MTSU brought the pressure, um, and, and he had Jermaine Burton on a little crossing route. I don't know if he gets the ball to Burton hot, if Burton's able to you know, catch it and, and get what he needs after the catch, but that was, it seemed like, the read, uh, and, and he held the ball a little bit. I, I thought there was a little bit of hesitancy hesitancy on a couple of plays more so in the first half but again once he started to hit some throws I don't think the vertical passing game is going to be as much of an issue for Jalen Milrow where I need to see more from Jalen Milrow is more in the intermediate game maybe on some of those crossing routes and I thought even going back to 8A he showed he can hit those throws he had a couple of those dropped in the spring game but on Saturday night if you want to pick apart maybe a couple of throws that were a little questionable it probably was more so there in, in that area in the middle of the field. 
Yeah, no, no doubt. And, and those throws you're talking about, the shorter ones, the intermediate ones, those are the ones you really can't be late on, right? You can be yeah. half a beat late on some of those deep balls and your wide receiver can still make a play. And it, it might be low risk if you lay it out there far enough behind the defense. Uh, but if you're late on something short or you're late on something in- intermediate, it gets jumped and can be going the other way. And we hadn't brought this up yet, Travis, but as big as anything for Milrow in this performance was no turnovers. Yeah, it was. And I thought he operated the offense efficiently. I thought the offense in general in Tommy Reese's first game did a better job than maybe previous years of not only getting the play call in and getting up to the line of scrimmage with, say, 20 on the play clock. And then because you didn't have the quarterback totally in control of the checks, you would see Jalen look over to see if there was a check to be made or if the play was on that had been called. Uh, So efficiency really starting with Tommy Reese in the press box coming down uh, to the sideline and into Milrow. I thought the operation was very effective and that continued into Ty Buckner too. I thought that was interesting. I know we're going to talk about that, but it was Ty Buckner that was next up there in the third quarter. And I thought Buckner looked very comfortable just operating the offense. This looked like a guy who had already established that relationship with Reese at Notre Dame. Um, and I think this is a guy, again, that he, he still at Alabama has his best football in front of him. Uh, will it be enough to get him on the field on a consistent basis at some point? I think that's more up to Jalen Milrow right now than anybody else. Offensive line will turn there really quickly here, Travis. Uh, I thought J.C. Latham was out there setting a tone, trying to finish blocks, blocking to the whistle, going after those pancakes. He was he was playing with, you know, these coaches a lot of times like to say they like offensive linemen with a defensive mindset. Well, that, that that's what I was seeing from from Latham against Middle Tennessee State uh, on the downside. There were some issues on the interior, I thought, on a couple of runs. Certainly, uh, you know, the touchdown McClellan had on the goal line where it was designed to go inside, it, it, it got stuffed, and and he was wisely able to just bounce it and uh, get to the corner and score. Uh, so, you know, we'll see what happens with the, the competition, which obviously I think is going to continue a little bit on the inside uh, with, with Dow Court at, at guard in particular, Terrence Ferguson, uh subbed in and played a little bit with the ones Travis and uh I think you noted before we started that uh he was he was the first one off the bench on uh in that unit he was and I agree I think that's probably an ongoing situation I mean you pull for Dalcourt at this point because he's a fifth year guy he's had multiple injury issues but uh I don't know if that's entirely settled right now Uh, at that guard spot, and you're right, just the physicality of this group that you wanted to see, I thought that was evident for the most part, not just with the offensive line, but with all those tight ends we saw too. I think Alabama's two longest runs, by running backs anyway, in the game Saturday night, they worked behind that left side and, um, you know, with Tyler Booker and, uh, you know, also Caden Proctor, but the tight ends on a couple of those runs really helped soften the edge for Uh, Jace McClellan early, um, and also uh, Justice Haynes, who did some nice things there in the second half as well. I'm ready to see Robbie Hughes just go out there in shorts, Travis. I mean, that's basically what what he's doing out there. I mean, Uh, I get it with Will Riker. Halfway down his thigh. I know. uh, (laughs) 
You know, Will Reichert's a kicker, so I get it that he kind of looks like he's getting ready for a stage of the Tour de France or something with the bike biker shorts, cyclist shorts. Uh, but it 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 amazes me how many of these guys these days. I mean, nothing really. Mm-mm. You know, nope, nope. It was something for sure. All right, defensively, Travis will jump to that side of the ball. For at least a couple minutes before we move on here on the Talking Tide podcast on the Belly Up Podcast Network. Uh, certainly a big night with the linebackers, sacks kind of all around. Braswell, Quindarius Robinson had one. Uh, excuse me, um, Lawson had one as well. Hugh Robinson had one, yeah. It, it was uh, – it was an impressive night for that group for sure. Braswell's sack was a was a real shot. That 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 was one that uh, the court, quarterback no for MTSU is going to be feeling for a day or two. Yeah, uh, clear edge win on that one for Braswell. Uh, you know, I like some of the stuff they did, some of the simulated pressures because you you watch Robinson's back, and they've got him at that sort of inside linebacker position in the dime. And they've got him on the same side as Dallas Turner. And earlier in the first quarter, they had brought a game with uh, Robinson and Turner running a stunt, kind of a, a tackle end. If, if, if Robinson were a tackle, which he wasn't on the play, it was that kind of action anyway. Um, and so Turner had gotten pressure and flushed Nick, uh, gosh, what's his last name now? Daddy Otto, the quarterback mm-hmm. for MTSU on that particular play. Well, I think MTSU thought that same stunt was coming again, but instead Q was able to slip between the guard and the center. And if he didn't get there, Deontay Lawson was because he was right behind him. And so I thought it was well-timed. Even when Alabama didn't bring five guys or more necessarily, even when they brought four, it seemed like the MTSU, it, it had to feel like it was five or more by the way they handled it. Yeah, Robinson we saw early in the game, first quarter, certainly earlier than I would have thought he would have been in the game. Travis made a, a quick impact. Didn't end up playing a ton, though. His, his snaps were, were fairly limited, but he, he flashed out of the gate anyway. Situational guy, you know, that third outside linebacker. So when they go with their Dime Rabbits or Cheetah or Panther or whatever they're calling it this year, uh, he's going to be on the field if he's the third guy. And so – Good for him because this is another veteran has been around four years now or so. Uh, it's taken him a while physically to get to where he needs to be, but it looks like for now that when they do go to that package uh, with six defensive backs, uh, they're going to they're gonna put him out there to go along with Chris Braswell and Dallas Turner and Deontay Lawson. And, you know, they like to mix that one defensive lineman. It could be Justin Aboibe. It could be Jamarian Latham. Uh, interesting too defensively that we saw Tim Keenan and Jaheim Otis in the lineup together to start the game. So they got some different combinations, some versatility, I think, that they feel pretty good about right now, but they still need to see it in the way of production, especially on third down. If they can if they can get a, po- a significant and positive contribution out of Keenan this season, it it's it comes from a place that kind of makes everybody else kind of makes them better all throughout the front seven in some ways, you know, because, you know, now all of a sudden your linebackers are scraping easier and, 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 you know, Jaheim Otis is maybe doing some things lined up further outside that, that, that maybe he couldn't have done inside. So uh, if, if Keenan turns into a, 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 a real dog in the, in the middle, that's a game changer for the, for the front seven. And they need, 
uh, you know, they need war daddies. You know, I, I think Otis maybe Keenan can be that guy. I still think Justin Aboyby is going to have a big season. I think he's really important to this group. But you said it, between those three especially, they can definitely keep uh, Deontay Lawson clean, uh, Trez Marshall. I thought Kendrick Blackshire, man. Positive performance for him. Another guy that's been in the program for three years or so now and kind of time for him to take another step. And with Jihad Campbell out, uh, that opportunity was afforded to Blackshire, and I'd say he made the most of it. Injury-wise for Alabama, Travis, uh, Nick Saban mentioned in post-game that Malachi Moore and Jalen Key uh, were dealing with some issues I haven't gotten word on what the deal is with those two, but with Texas on deck and, of course, in our next edition of Talking Tide on Wednesday night, we'll be previewing the Alabama-Texas game, Travis. But with that one on deck and the way Ken, Quinn Ewers can throw it around, it would it would be ill-timing for sure if Alabama's minus a defensive back or two. Yeah, that, that wouldn't be ideal uh, for sure. And uh, it's not just Ewers. He's got guys around him, man. Uh A.D. Mitchell, uh, of course, Xavier Worthy. Uh, you got Whittington at the slot receiver position, Jatavia Sanders at tight end, uh, a lot of guys. And so uh, it should be a confident Texas team coming into Tuscaloosa after that game in Austin last year, and certainly in terms of what that game felt like while Ewers was still on the field. You know, it felt a little bit ominous for Alabama during that first quarter when you know, he was kind of hitting everything that came out of his hand. We'll see if he can duplicate that early on in Tuscaloosa uh, this time around. But, no, the challenge is great. They need all the guys they can get. It, it was good, though, that they kind of went into that game feeling like they had eight or nine guys that they could play with. So if they are short a guy or two, um, you know, they have some not just – capable guys they got some guys that have been around i mean christian story's been around for a while mm -hmm. and so uh we'll see how that plays out yeah ominous was definitely the word for it in austin last year once again be sure to check out the talking tide podcast on wednesday night when travis and i uh preview the crimson tide versus the longhorns in full depth the talking tide podcast on the belly up podcast network is going to turn and thank a couple of sponsors right now we're going to start uh, by telling you a little bit about Heat Pizza Bar. Really pleased to have Heat Pizza Bar uh, back as a sponsor of the program. Located in downtown Tuscaloosa in Government Square, perfect place to eat on a football weekend when you're looking for great food, a full bar, and a fun atmosphere. But maybe without the craziness on the strip, Heat Pizza Bar offers fantastic signature pizzas, wide array of salads, a great appetizer, including those jalapeno poppers. You'll love those. Go see Frank Fleming and his friendly staff for your next pizza in T-Town at 2256th Street downtown. Never a parking problem with that free public parking deck on the backside of Heat Pizza Bar. Great daily specials, too, including this Tuesday's great deal. That awesome Thai chicken pizza, just 9 bucks from 2 to 6 p.m. and $3 domestic beers all day long. It's Heat Pizza Bar, downtown Tuscaloosa. You know what, Chase? Nick Saban isn't the only icon in Tuscaloosa going into his 17th season in Titletown. On September the 1st, before the Saturday season opener, Peterbrook Chocolatier of Tuscaloosa turned 16 years old. How about that? Sweet 16. I, does it get any sweeter 
Then Peter Brook Chocolatier? I don't think so. Peter Brook Chocolatier, a staple now of West Central Alabama. Get by there, 1530 McFarland Boulevard North in the Indian Hill section up Tuscaloosa. They got all those. Look at those chocolate footballs. You got to get chocolate football, don't you? They can take care of you if you're looking to thank that special someone. They've got the chocolate thank you business cards. That's the kind of business card I'd like to get for a change. They're available to you with so much more at Peterbrook Chocolatier, 1530 McFarland Boulevard North in the Indian Hills section of Tuscaloosa. Finally going to tell you about Caldera Men's Skincare, the corporate sponsor of the program, Caldera Lab Men's Skincare. Uh, you can't beat it. First impressions matter. This is how you do it right. Caldera has a team of four products that Travis and I are trying on uh, this month. The clean slate, the base layer, the icon, and the good. Here in the last couple of weeks or so, we've featured the clean slate and the base layer. This week, focusing in on the icon, which is going to help get rid of those bags under the eyes. Now, I don't have that problem now at 52. I'm sure it's coming at some point. So, uh, trying a little preventative maintenance, I suppose. Once again, just takes a little bit on the fingertip. A couple of these great Caldera Men skincare products you just rub in once daily. A couple of them are for both morning and night application. That would include the icon. Uh, so check all the Caldera products at calderalab.com slash tide. And just for the Talking Tide audience, Caldera is offering 20% off now uh, with a discount code TIDE. So go to calderalab.com slash TIDE. Save 20% right now on Caldera Lab Men's Skincare Products. Once again, calderalab.com slash TIDE. And with that, Travis, we're going to move on. And i tell you what, we'll hold the two-deep tumbler for the end. We'll talk a little bit about this South Carolina-North Carolina game, Travis, uh, over the weekend. North Carolina gets it done uh drake may wins the kind of the quarterback battle in charlotte neutral site a lot of excitement for that game for sure uh but the story for the gamecocks travis coming out out of that one for sure is an absolutely dismal performance by its offensive line nine sacks and minus two rushing yards uh and, and and spencer rattler throws for 353 by the way so you know, you, you got to tip your hat to Rattler. You talk about somebody that didn't have any help. Yeah, and I think that bodes well for, for Spencer Rattler in terms of how the next level uh, is concerned. Because I think for NFL people, they're looking at Rattler just to see how he handles those situations. Because that seems to be more the question for him intangibles with Spencer Rattler. But no, and by the way, that North Carolina defense a year ago was absolutely awful. And that's, that's not Lawrence Taylor playing for the Tar Heels these days. I think he's fresh out of eligibility in Chapel Hill. So <laughs> disappointing to say the least because you had all this momentum. He might have been out of eligibility the minute he got to yeah, Chapel Hill. Yeah, I don't, yeah, yeah. That, that could be. <laughs> but, you know, it's just so disappointing for Shane Beamer's team because you get those wins late in the regular season a year ago. Okay, you lose the bowl game in a thriller to Notre Dame in Jacksonville uh, in, in that in that time of season now where there's so many opt-outs, guys just sitting out bowl games, it, it's hard to put a whole lot of stock into that. But it, it wasn't a poor performance. But then to open the season with this kind of dud and understanding Drake May is a heck of a talent at the quarterback position. Top five pick, it seems like, for this next draft. Um, but Drake May wasn't particularly great. 
So uh, it, to me, I agree. I, I thought it was more about the ineptitude uh, of that play that you outlined and just South Carolina on the offensive side uh, for the most part throughout it. All right, we're going to jump into that two-deep tumbler here really quickly, then we're going to get out of here on the Talking Tide podcast. Let's give it a spin. Travis, see who comes out. We're, uh, you know, I'm not putting the balls back in the tumbler after we draw somebody, right, because I don't want any repeats. Right. And so uh, we're, we're starting to run a little low on uh, a little low on balls, but uh, we got enough to dig one out here. Shouldn't be too hard. There we go. It's not the first time we've been told that, by the way. Yeah, yeah. This, Let's see what we got. This thing's tricky. What in the world? There we go. <laughs> <laughs> I All right, Travis. Oh. Number, sometimes. Temperamental. Sometimes, Travis, the tumbler has a mind of its own. The tumbler can, can be a stumbler. Can be read here. 71, Darian Dalcourt. Yeah. Oh, wow. Mention. Your guy power. tonight. Yeah. <laughs> Look, like I said earlier, man, would love to see Darian go wire to wire, play well. And I've said it before. I mean, I know people have a lot of opinions, it seems like, at Darian Dalcourt. But here's what I do know. The guy – won a starting job under not just one offensive line coach at Alabama, but two, Doug Marone and now Eric Wolford, and at two different positions. You know, he won the starting center job twice. He's won this guard position this season. Now, again, I think we're all in sort of agreement here that, you know, that's an ongoing situation with he and Terrence Ferguson. So we'll see how it plays out. But, uh, wow, that was – you talk about uh, relevant to tonight's discussion. How about Darian Dalcourt <laughs> coming out of that? Well, tumbler? a couple weeks ago, remember, we spent half the show talking about Milrow, and Milrow came out of the tumbler. Yeah, I mean, this yeah. thing is unbelievable. Well, that's it's, a quarterback. It's, a, yeah. it's AI. I got AI programmed yeah. in this thing, Travis. <laughs> the tumbler has a mind of its own. The tumbler knows. It was always the tumbler. <laughs> All right, that is going to do it for this fine edition of the Talking Tide podcast. Be sure to join us Wednesday night when we preview the Crimson Tide hosting the University of Texas on Saturday at Bryant-Denny Stadium. For Travis Ryer, the senior analyst at BamaOnline.com, I'm Chase Goodbread, sports columnist with the Tuscaloosa News. We'll talk to you next time right here on Talking Tide.